trivia, discussions, opinions, and the chance to have your say. Welcome to the Topical Resort.
No, it's not Balked. No, I'm not AFK. That was a track from Choo Choo Rocket. And this is the topical result right here on Radio Sega. And what you just heard was a track from Choo Choo Rocket. That was the single player theme. And a lot of you went, uh, Choo Choo Rocket is an unlicensed idiot. Uh, get it right. Are you playing the right music? Are you dead? No. No. However, that is actually from a bootleg game. It is a bootleg game known as Mighty Mighty Missile, which was one of the games that I put on the list of games that are unlicensed because um, I put it on the list and I didn't know really anything about the game but the game looked really cool um, but I looked into it and I went on to the oh, I put the game into Demon Tools and I tried to rip it and then I found out this is literally just the music from Choo Choo Rocket like down to a T to the point where it's the exact same song which makes sense considering the game is a Sega CD recreation of Choo Choo Rocket so, yeah, despite what I thought, the game doesn't actually have original music. I thought maybe it'd have, like, remix tracks, but no, it's just a track from the uh, Dreamcast version. So, that's why I played you that one there. That was a single-player theme. And then before that, from Sonic Mega Mix, the Sega CD version 5.0a, that was Sunny Shores Zone. Um, that one's a bit of a nitpick as well, because we had a Sega CD block right there. But uh, Sonic Mega Mix is also a bit of a nitpick, because my rules that I said... Would, uh, it's only for games that had a quote-unquote commercial release, meaning they were officially, you know, they were pressed onto a cartridge and they were sold somehow. Now, Sonic Mega Mix was pressed onto a cartridge and sold, or, you know, pressed onto a disc, but the Sega CD version of the game never was actually uh, commercially released as such. Only the Mega Drive version was. By the time they moved the game to the Sega CD, or by the time they moved the game over to the Sega CD, the pirates were sort of done with it. And, um... Especially version 5.0a, which had the original soundtrack, the rest of them had reused soundtracks. That one was actually, um, what was it? That one was actually a leak build of the game, so they never intended that one to come out, but someone leaked it and then they officially sort of released it, even though it was buggy. They said, hey, here it is, it's got new music as well, so, but, yeah, I thought that was better than playing something from Sonic 3 instead and confusing people even more. Plus, that track was really nice, that was Sunny, Shore Zone, and... Yeah, now we're here over at the resort. So first of all, I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's listening in live. Currently we have... Who do we have? We, we've got a lot of you. We've got Skyblaze, we've got Jamie, we've got TCB, we've got Twinny, we've got Brickgame, we've got Alex Copitone, we've got myself. Uh, we had some more earlier on. Uh, who do we have? I am looking around now. We had Ravseek as well. We also had Danny a bit earlier on during the day. So hello to you all if you'd like to join... The fun and wonderful conversation over on Discord. That's RadioAC.GeoForce.Discord. Grab a username, grab a client, and join the fun over there. But if you don't like Discord, that's fine as well, because we do have some other social media feeds. We have a Twitter, at ReadySecond, at Top Resort, at GreenViperate. Or use the hashtag Top Resort. All those places I'll be able to see and read during the show tonight. I don't really tend to read the other ones during the show, just for the simple reason of uh, there's normally, like not a whole host of people messaging on them, whereas Discord and Twitter seem to be the most active, so you know, may as well check the ones which I think people are likely actually going to be on, right? Yeah, I'd say that's a good idea, honestly. So, um, it's funny that we talked about licensed Sega games last week, because um, one of the games that we mentioned during the licensed episode was actually a certain Magical Virtual On, and if you've been paying any attention to the news this week, you would know that a certain Magical Virtual On is ironically no more, and this was just after we started streaming the game on our Twitch as well. Um, I don't really know why, but uh, people suspect it's a license, but they, the game only came out like a year ago, if even that. I think it might have been later in the year than this, so... 
very odd decision. Uh, there's also conspiracy theories about how it's because the game didn't get very good. Or the game got okay reviews, but it didn't like, do too well financially, and the fans didn't really like it. So there's those theories, which, of course, there's always going to be. And I think, honestly, though, in this case, those theories have a lot more precedence, because the license expiring after a year doesn't seem likely to me. I would have thought they would have like, done a two, three-year license. Another thing that people said was that supposedly they wanted to update the game to include twin stick support, which is interesting, because maybe they'll bring it back once they've sort of done that, but I don't know. Um, as I say, the financial factors behind it don't make it seem like that's likely to happen, but uh, if we see a successful run of... Um, what am I trying to say? If we see a successful run of the virtual on uh, ports that are coming to PS4, then maybe we might see a virtual on uh, a certain magical virtual on return along with the twin stick support. Because currently that's not a thing. Because there are no twin sticks on PS4, at least as far as I know, until the game comes out when it'll be releasing with one. So we can only hope. But hey, I thought it was quite ironic that um, <laughs> one of the episodes, or considering we've recently done a D-list of games episode slash Abandonware and we've also recently done an episode about licensed Sega games I find it funny that uh, one of the games we spoke about last week has now suffered the same fate speaking of uh, D-listed as well Judgment we've all been following Judgment you know uh, that's been kicking off uh, we're going to talk about that a bit later into the show but that was also D-listed this week so it wasn't a very good week for uh, Sega games being D-listed however Thanks to fans officially, or not officially, thanks to fans unofficially, one game has been relisted this week. We're also going to be talking about that hopefully a bit later on in the show. But um, yeah, I don't really know what really to talk about during this first segment, but I should say, um, I should say as well, a huge thank you to Mick who suggested this topic uh, because he saw that we did license Sega games last week. And uh, he, throughout the week after he saw that I'd done licensed Sega games, which was by the way requested by Brick Gamer, he said, well, "Why don't you do? Why don't you unlicensed Sega games?" And I didn't get it until way later on, like a few days ago. And I went, "Oh, it's because we did licensed Sega games, right? Right, that makes sense. Yeah, unlicensed. Let's do that because that sounds like a whole, a whole uh, heap of fun." Also, I just remembered I haven't got um, Trivia Coast. Where are you at, Trivia Coast? Uh, that's not it. No, it. Is called. Uh, uh, what did I call it? Sorry, I forgot to do this, but it's sort of important considering we're about to go into the trivia coast. Uh, I actually have it ready to go. So, yeah. Um. Hmm. What, I don't really know what else there is to say. Oh yeah, Scoblade said as well. There's an unlicensed Amiga version of Choo Choo Rocket kicking about. That's true. I did remember that one, but um. As mentioned earlier on just now, I'm going for games that had a quote-unquote commercial release or anything pressed onto a disc and or cartridge and sold for money, and that Amiga version, as far as I know, wasn't. Whereas Mighty Mighty... Uh, I always want to call it Mighty Mighty Mouse, because Choo Choo Rocket and Mighty Mouse um, make me want to do that strangely. But... Um, yeah, Mighty Mighty Missile was released for the Sega CD in 2005, and it was... What expo was it at? But it came out of one of the sort of expos and it was pressed on disc and there was sort of this whole situation around it, how uh, the people publishing it were notoriously not not the best of people <laughs> uh, that in, the, in the sort of way that they distributed the game. Like they uh, put it onto Genesis as well, I believe, without the devs' consent and they messed with a bunch of stuff. 
and yeah, it was famously quite messy that release. But, but hey, Choo Choo Rocket working on the Sega CD because it's technically a uh, port, or not port, but you know, a sort of. Uh, it's heavily based on the Game Boy Advance version, which makes sense as to how they got it working on the Sega CD, but still impressive nonetheless, even if it is sort of based on the Game Boy Advance port, I'd say. But it's a great game, check that one out, but we're going to be telling you what games you'll be checking out later on in the show. But I think, yeah, I think we're outstaying our welcome. I think it's time we went on over to that Trivia Coast where you could win some sweet, sweet prizes. Except you couldn't really. Trivia Coast. And we're back here at the Trivia Coast. Now, for those who don't know how this works, this is our weekly game show where you're working to earn those points. We're going to ask you three questions tonight. One hard, one medium, one easy. Hard questions worth five points, the medium questions worth three points, and the easy question is worth one point. Uh, once I ask you a question, you can continue to answer it after I've asked the next one. So if I, if I ask you the hard question, for instance, you can continue to answer it after I've asked the medium question. So you get as long as you want for each question, but obviously you get the least amount of time for the easy question. You only get one music break to answer that, but hey, you shouldn't have too much of an issue anyway because it's the easy question. It's sort of made for that purpose. You can only enter on Discord, so that's radioac.j4.discord. I'm Green Viper hashtag 6383 over there. That's my tag. Private messages only, otherwise I will not accept it. And as I say, Discord only, otherwise I will not accept it. Don't spoil the game for everyone else, guys. But with that in mind, let's get on into the hard question. So the developers of Shinobi 3D worked on an unlicensed Sega game after their tenure for working for Sega. What is the name of this game? The developers of Shinobi 3D worked on an unlicensed Sega game after their tenure of working for Sega. What is the name of this game? You know where to send your answers, you hopefully know the answer to the question, but if you don't, Google is your friend on this quiz, but hey, you know, don't rely on it too heavily, but use it as a tool to give you your answer, because we're not paying for any prizes, despite what I said, I was, I was only joking, we're paying for the glory, the glory is the prize. And if you know the answer, hey great, if you don't know the answer, sucks to be you, but best of luck guys, get in your answers, and while you do that, um, it's important to note that another big part of unlicensed Sega games is bootlegs, because when there's um, when there's people doing stuff without official permission, you're gonna ha- you're gonna have some people obviously trying to you know make some cool games to capitalise on that Sega nostalgia many years later, such as games coming up later in the show. But you also got those people back in the day who figured out their way around the copy protection. Who want to make a quick buck. And uh, they want to rip you off and rip off your intellectual properties, not make something original. They want to trick parents and grandparents into buying this cheap trash. And it's not only games on Sega consoles, because there are some that use their likenesses as well. So a fair word of warning, mute your your speakers if you you ever feel faint during this music, but try and endure it like the rest of us. Best of luck, guys. Because coming up first is a track from Sonic Adventure 7. It's only a 50 second one, and you'll thank me for that later. This is round one, right here on the Topical Resort.
this one coming up is actually going to be a treat for your ears. Don't worry, guys. You'll thank me later. Every Friday night, this is Topical Resort, only on Radio Sega. That was a horrible music block with the exception of the final track. What you just heard there was a track from Bootleg Sampler 2, and that was a bit of a cop out because the Eagle Eyed Among You, uh, yeah, no, the Eagle Eyed Among You, aka Electric Boogaloo, and anyone else who played that collection back in the day, you'd know that yeah, that's that's not a bootleg game at all. That's just the name of it. But um, that was an official Sega Sega uh, what was it called? Demo disc. That's it. But, you know, we had a bootleg block, and the first two tracks were terrible, so I sort of need to redeem your ears a bit, so I went with the best bootleg song I could think of, and it just happened to not be from a bootleg for the game called Bootleg. That's the menu theme, and that's the track which Jamie always says sounds like the, like a song from Nights, because we use that as the ending theme for, uh, or at least I use that as the ending theme for my Radio Sega streams, I don't think anyone else does, because uh, I haven't told them to, but I, I use that as my ending theme, but it sounds like it's from Nights, he says that every single time. <laughs> For that, from VR Fighter vs Taken 2, with a name like that, you can't go wrong. But you can, because that was Jackie Seaman. It's not the worst bootleg song I've ever heard, but it's it's not it's not good by actual music standards by any means. For that, from Sonic Adventure 7, that was round one, which according to 20 is a remix of Launch Base Zone Act 1 from the PC version of Sonic and Knuckles. Not that you could tell. It's so dreadful you could not tell at all. 
people would argue, yeah, but the original Sonic 3 PC soundtrack was terrible, blah, blah, blah. No, disagree. I personally like it, but you couldn't recognise that. I was also tempted to throw in a track from Sonic Jam for the Gamecom, but that's, that's sadly not a bootleg. It's just so bad that it's worse than most bootlegs. But, you know, you could sort of mistake it for one if you squinted hard enough, I guess. Anyway, we're back, and uh, as you can tell, we don't really have a hasty history, so what are we going to do? I don't know, we have the rest of the show lined up, we just don't have the hasty history lined up, because I couldn't think of what to do the history of, because bootlegs are a bit difficult to get a hold of the history on. But, um, I mean, how many of you haven't heard the story of, like, Tanglewood or Alex Kidd 2 at this point? I think most of you have probably heard it. So there's really no point in going back over something like that again. So, mm, I'm not really too sure what to talk about. Because the next block we're going to be actually discussing the games, but I guess... What what are some of your favourite unlicensed games on any console, right? Do you have an indie game... An indie game that shouldn't have been published on a console, but was, like, perhaps a Neo Geo game, or a... um, A game that was made possible through, like, hacking, like, Wii Homebrew or something, or... Anything like that. Do you have a favourite game along those sort of lines? Let me know. I imagine for a lot of you it'll be Tanglewood. Um, but, because that, that, I think that is by far the best game sort of on the list. That's not saying there aren't some good games that I put. There's also a ton of stuff which I left out because I just simply couldn't find soundtracks to it. Or there is some stuff that's on the list I actually still don't have the soundtracks to. Um, not sending hate, but uh, Alex Kidd in Miracle World 2 and Tanglewood. Specifically, I'm still waiting on the soundtracks, actually, because the uh, creators meant to sending them to me, but I couldn't get them in time, which, you know, not blaming or anything, because people have lives, but couldn't have them. But I am still playing some music from, uh, specifically, Tanglewood tonight, because as a kid, I couldn't find anything from. Tanglewood, I could find uh, one of the tracks, and then I could find the rest on YouTube, but I specifically went with the one which I could find in the highest quality, plus I think it's the best track on, on the flipping soundtrack, so may as well go with that one, right? Seems good to me. So, it should bring that up, but um, obviously there's still plenty of games, specifically... Um, hmm, Electric Boogaloo points out that the first Dreamcast game he got was Inhabitants. Which, oh, I don't remember anything about Inhabitants. But I've heard of it. So, let's look it up. What, what would have been my first uh, unlicensed game that I played? It would have been something on Dreamcast, but what would it have been? I, it would either have been Fruity or Volgar. Um, I don't remember which one it would have been. I think it probably was Fruity, actually, which is a puzzle, a sort of cutesy, cutesy puzzle game, which, uh, the good thing about uh, Fruity is it's one of those games that's actually made free by the devs. You don't have to pirate it if you don't want to pay for a uh, physical copy, but it's also good because I believe they were selling physical copies for like as little as 10 euros or something like that, whereas most indie games on Dreamcast are around like 40 to 50, which... That's a bit much, but um, I, I can put down. I, I don't actually have a physical copy, sadly, because I always forget when it goes on sale. But yeah, you can pick up a copy of um, Fruity for relatively cheap, as long as you look in the right places. Just search Fruity Dreamcast and it'll probably come up. But uh, the good thing about a lot of Dreamcast indie games is they have PC versions as well. So if you if your Dreamcast is a bit dusty or you don't want to use it or you just play your PC, then uh, if you're hearing raving reviews about a lot of these games, you can just pick them up on Steam PC. Um, I. I've said this before, I think on the Dreamcast style, if I remember correctly, but I do think a lot of Dreamcast indie games are just made as, like, advertisements, if that makes sense. 
like people make the Dreamcast version so they can get those little clicks off Kotaku saying there's a new Dreamcast game which yeah it's very good publicity I'll give them that but you know, that's sort of why I think they do it quite a bit because it's just good publicity for their indie PC Steam game which otherwise would sort of get a bit buried uh, Electric says that supposedly it's a Sega Squirrel clone and apparently it was released all the way back in 2005 I just read that's not the first indie game though, because I should say the first Dreamcast indie game or, you know, technically unlicensed, but the community refers to them as indie because they're made for a love of the console, not to scam you. So, Feet of Fury was officially the first indie game on the Dreamcast, and it got a 4.5 out of 5, which, wow, that's a lot higher than I remember hearing about it. But what sort of Feet of Fury is, is it a um, DDR clone, and that doesn't sound too spectacular, but back in 2003, specifically June 7th, 2003, when it came out, there really wasn't much like that. This was the days before, you know, you could get Step Mania on PC. Um, all the games you could sort of get were like the official ones which were like censored or had bad track lists. Feet of Fury was sort of the first one where even though the track list was set, um, you know, it was fan made so people had completely recreated the engine. It was just a spectacle more than anything, but the fact that you could do this on Dreamcast was really sort of uh, spectacular. And as well, I think it was actually playable with a DDR, a custom DDR pad, which was made specifically for the game. But it also apparently was compatible with um, the typing of the dead keyboard. So there's a mode called Typing Fury, which I didn't actually know about that. I don't know an awful lot about Fury. I just know that it was the first uh, and the first commercial one as well. So. Interesting, they still have copies of Fit of Fury, which I didn't know, because I thought the whole point of it was that it was elusive and rare because it was the first indie. But now I know that, but um, sort of like early PS1 rhythm games, like uh, Parappa and Vib Ribbon, there's the ability to take out the CD and swap in a uh, just a normal CD, and it'll create up a DDR chart for that um, song. So let's take, for instance, say you put in the CD of Mighty Mighty Mouse. Nope, nope. Mighty Mighty Missile, I, I did it by accident again. So you put that in, um, well, then you get the music from Choo Choo Rocket, but you'd actually get the music from Mighty Mighty Missile, but you get the point. It would generate a chart of, say, the challenge mode theme from Choo Choo Rocket. So that's incredibly cool. That's sort of been done in a lot of rhythm games nowadays, like the uh, sort of, um, it wasn't in that one, but it was in a lot of the sort of Tap Tap Revenge clones, I remember. So... Um, Tap Tap Revenge was like this iOS game where you had to tap along to the music, but a lot of clones of it would also generate the beat, so based on the drum track in the song it would generate a sort of tapping chart that you would uh, play along to on your phone. It's a bit like that I guess, but uh, sort of an earlier version of that, so I don't know how well it would work. But supposedly as well, oh apparently you can, you can import songs from DDR based clone Dancing with Intensity, and, but I think, um, maybe someone's corrected me, but I think as well you could just pop in a CD without the charts on them, but obviously it worked better with the charts because someone has made that by hand rather than, you know, trying to, um, bleh, trying to make it by a computer algorithm, I guess. Sorry, uh, <laughs> yeah out of it, but apparently, yeah, there were official DDR games on Dreamcast prior to Feet of Fury, so I didn't know that either, actually. I, I, I thought the whole point of it was that there was none. Huh. 
But there's plenty of other games that came after it as well. I think a lot of people's favourite uh, indie game on Dreamcast, because I'm talking about indie games because I tend to know a lot more about indie Dreamcast games than I do about any of the other consoles. I know there is finally people sort of working on indie Saturn games. I know there's a Sonic Jump port, as well as a, uh, I think it's called Sonic Z Stream. So there's two, like, sort of Saturn uh, unlicensed games. Not They're not going to be releasing commercially, but, you know, people are working on them. I know of at least, but uh, in terms of like commercial games, I really know my lot about sort of Dreamcast. And uh, I hear a lot of people say that their favourite is Wind and Water Puzzle Battles, which uh, is a very good pick actually. It's a bit, it looks a bit like um, Panel de Pon, also known as Tetris Attack, also known as Pokemon Puzzle League, and I think it had some more names as well, but most people would even know it's Pokemon Puzzle League or Panel de Pon. But uh, this one also had a PC version, so if you put the Dreamcast disc in, it would uh, install it on your Windows. Ah, it came out on the GP2X before it came out on Dreamcast. I don't know what that is. Okay, it's just sort of a Linux-based handheld type thing. Developed by South Korean company Game Park Holdings. Never heard of it. Never seen a game release for it either, but hey, Windows Wars Puzzle Battles was released for it. Uh, it seems to be a Chinese game, which... Uh, at least I think it's a Chinese game, which I didn't know that either. Uh, no, apparently it's Costa Rica. <laughs> Just the names look very Chinese-esque, but it's made in Costa Rica, so there we go. And it's published by Redspot Games. Cool. Um, okay, so according to Electric, we do actually have a game list of DDR games that were on Dreamcast. Now, Second Mix and the Club Edition, so never, never heard of them, but hey. Brit also says, before we get into um, the Trivia Coast, I'm going to say that Brit says we need Sega Ages, Sega Swell. Which I could not agree with what more, because I mean, there were so many copies of that game. Well, not copies, there were a lot of different versions of that game, and it was very fragmented, and obviously it was never had a, an official commercial release, so we definitely do need one of Sega Swell. It's an interesting game, because, um, yeah, it was released on Dreamcast, except you can never get it in store. You can only get it Occasionally it would be randomly bundled in with your Dreamcast, like randomly, you wouldn't know if you were getting it or not. Or it could be on the official Dreamcast magazine disc, or um, it was on Sega Smash Pack. But yeah, so there was that, there was also the uh, Windows version, which was which you got if you put Sega Smash Pack into your PC. There was also the email version, which you played over email, which, that's odd. You had that one, you had your... Um, yeah, what was it called? Palm Pocket. Your Palm OS version. Yeah, there was a Palm OS version of Sega Swirl because why not, I guess? I don't really know. But it existed. It was there. People made it. Right? That counts for something. So, with all those different versions, I think it's probably about time uh, they actually just made a definitive version and said, look, let's put aside our differences and just actually make the definitive version of Sega Swirl. I don't, I'm not sure what the actual um, the, uh, the actual rights to the game are because I know it was created by Scott Hawkins who worked at Sega at the time but I don't know if Sega actually own it or they just at the time he gave the rights to them and they put the name Sega Swirl on it or what. Let's look up what they've done in recent years. Uh, Tremor Entertainment. Uh, not an awful lot. Because they did Railroad Tycoon 2, that was the first game, then Sega Swirl, then Railroad Tycoon 2, then Kiss Psycho Circus, The Nightmare Child, and seemingly they called it a day there, really. 
Maybe it was just a small little startup and sadly it didn't work out, which if it was, that's sad. Speaking of sad, it's sad that none of you so far have guessed the Trivia Coast question, so we're going to be getting back over there and we're going to be asking, asking you a question which hopefully you know a whole lot better. See you there. Trivia Coast. We are back here at the Trivia Coast, and now it's time to ask the medium question, which is worth three points. Remember, you can enter by sending me a message. I'm Green Viper at hashtag 6383. All those places right there. You can get in your answers. All those places. All, um, all one of them. Yeah, you can get them in there anyway. Uh, some people actually missed the first question, so I'm going to repeat it. So the developers of Shinobi 3D worked on an unlicensed Sega game. What is the name of this game? So, uh, not specifically the company, but the people who worked on Shinobi 3D later went on to create an unlicensed Sega game. Give me the name of that game and you could win five points and some glory as well. We didn't want some glory. But the medium question coming up now is one about Alex Kidd in Miracle World 2. So Alex Kidd in Miracle World is or 2 is a fan-made what-if sequel to the Master System classic, ignoring the rest of the series. The game has become a bit elusive due to its odd release, as it was only sent to contribute or only sent to contributors to the game, those who paid for the, for the upkeeps of various sites. Right, let's start that again. The game has become a bit elusive due to its odd releases, as it was only sent to contributors of, to the game, those who pay for the site upkeeps of various Sega Master System sites, and online retro creators. What was the name of the company responsible for distributing this game? So what was the name of the company responsible for distributing Alex Kidd in Miracle World 2? Send me in your answers, you've still got plenty of time, while you do that we're going to get into some more requests. So uh, a few of you haven't sent in, a few of you regulars haven't sent any requests yet, so plenty of time to do so. Send me a link if there's something that's not on the request resort list. You go, oh I want to hear music from this Dreamcast game, but it's not on the list. Just send me a link to the music, because I probably didn't find it, I probably did a terrible job of finding some music for this show. Send me some links to it, and I will play it on the show. But for now, I'm going to get into a request by BrickGamer98, and... Well, he wants something that, once again, technically isn't an unlicensed game, but it's a remix of a track that is from an unlicensed game. And this is from a brand new released mod known as Sonic Megamix Mania, which is a sort of reimagining of Sonic Megamix in the Sonic Mania engine. And this is a track known as Starry Night, the Metal Sonic boss theme. When we come back, we'll be talking nonsense, same as always.
welcome back to the Topical Resort. Right here on Radius, I'm going to stop this weird sexual whisper now, and I'm just going to tell you what we played, because we just played you a track from Fast Striker, that was City Blues, and that was requested by J Star Max. That was actually a second request, but I went with that one, because we had absolutely no music from um, that game. We had music from, uh, spoilers, we had music from Gunlord and Ghostblade coming up later in the show, but we didn't have anything from Fast Striker. And the good thing about Fast Striker is, uh, even though it was made in 2010 for both the Neo Geo, because it was by Neo Geo dev team, so obviously it was for uh, Neo Geo, but it was also for Dreamcast, but recently it actually made its way to PlayStation 4, and I think as well it might have gone to Steam, but PS4 I know for definite, because that came out uh, only in October of last year. And I hear it's a great game. It's obviously a shmup, as you can tell by the soundtrack. But I mean, hey, what can you do? But um, yeah, I, it's probably a good game. But you know, there's so many shmups on the console, you don't really know, do you? Speaking of shmups, that one, the the one before that was from Battlecrust. That was Beat of Barrett, and that was requested by Electric Boogaloo. And funnily enough, Battlecrust actually has a soundtrack composed by the composer of Thunder Force 5, who I'm now forgetting the name of, but the composer of the officially made Thunder Force 5 made Battlecraft soundtracks. Let me look up Battlecraft right now. It's also on Steam if you want to check it out there instead of uh, picking up an original copy, and I believe you can get the soundtrack over there as well, so I'm definitely going to be doing that. Um, (laughs) I'm going to be downloading that um, hopefully soon, because hey, give him some money for that soundtrack, because that is awesome. Um... Apparently, Battlecrust was published by Josh Prod, which I didn't know. And it only came out very recently. Huh. Didn't know that. I thought it came out ages ago, but no, it came out... Um, oh, it came out on Steam in 2016, but it came out on Dreamcast 2018. Yeah, that's backed up by Adam Korolek, So I love Josh Prod. What they're doing is so awesome. They're bringing games which already... I love the way around they're doing it, which is they're bringing games that were already out on Dreamcast or prototypes which they've got permission to use and bringing them to Dreamcast rather than... I think I, I think I messed up my wording there, but you know, games that are already on like PC or indie games on other consoles, and they go, yeah, we're going to port them back to the Dreamcast rather than we're going to port them to the Dreamcast, then put them on PC because the sales aren't really doing that well. No, they go, yeah, we're going to put this, we're going acti- to actively try to put this on Dreamcast after it's already been made. And uh, oh my goodness, that's Val was in the wrong place. Ele- Electric Brickley says his name is Hayakutaro Tsuko. Sukomo. So many vowels in the wrong places and so so many um, consonants as well. Ah! Oh well, but yeah, that person, that that guy, that, that guy slash gal made uh, Thunder Force Five soundtrack, and they also did the music to Battlecrust. How very interesting. Before that, from Pierce Solo and the Great Architect, specifically the Mega Drive version, because that did uh, have a couple of different soundtracks with the different releases. That was the boss battle theme. That came out all the way back in 2010, which I didn't realise. Some of you will be saying that's not that far back, but the sort of indie boom of um, retro, or the sort of retro game indie boom in the sense of indie games being made on retro consoles didn't really happen until like 2015 was when I remember it sort of really becoming big thanks to the Dreamcast. Obviously, you had your smaller releases. You had your um, you definitely sort of had stuff before that, like on the Neo Geo. That was a big one, and I think there's probably some NES stuff, but it wasn't all that common for um, indie stuff on console before that. 2015 was really sort of when it became the mainstream. And Electric is giving me advice on how to pronounce it, as if you would have pronounced it correctly first time. He probably would, because not everyone's a massive uh, 
I was going to say something else, but I really shouldn't say that. No, yeah. a, ma a massive douchebag at pronouncing Japanese names. Yakutaro Sukomo. Yakutaro Sukomo. I think that's finally right, only because he lectured me on how to say it. But hey, what can you do? And kicking off the block was a track from Sonic Megamix Mania, a uh, brand new Sonic Mania hack, or sorry, mod released a few weeks ago actually, which designed, which is designed to bring the Sonic Megamix Sega CD and Mega Drive commercially released unlicensed game to Sonic Mania with widescreen, the brand new engine, try and improve it, and also give some new remixes like that one, which is called Starry Night, the Metallic Madness boss, and that was requested by. Gamer98, and I should say, I think I forgot that Piersola Boss Battle was requested by Jamie64326, or as I also call him, Jmeme Sucks4326. I'm here a week, people. That's all you need from me. Um, but now is the time where we talk and ramble about the games that we can talk and ramble about tonight, because funnily enough, you need to actually have played the games to talk and ramble about them. I say this, but then I did the Shenmue episode, and I had no clue what I was talking about. So, there is actually still a few here that I can't really discuss because I don't know too much about them. There are there are actually a few here that I remember that I actually have the soundtrack for, but I didn't put on the list, such as Alice's Mom's Rescue. Uh, actually, I have I used to have a folder called Dreamcast Music on my hard drive. Do I still have it? No. I, that used to be like a good indication of what indie music I had, but um, do I still have Alice's Mom's Rescue? Huh? I don't. Why did I delete that? Because I definitely had it at one point. I had, I had a game called Squares as well, but I don't think I have that either. Why did I put that in a separate folder to my normal music folder? That makes no sense, because then it's not going to import into my radio software either. Why did I do that? Okay, fine. So the first game on this list would technically be Action 52 anyway, so we're going to talk about Action 52. Now, um, we all know the story of Action 52. It was a crappy Russian unlicensed uh, NES game. And I actually want to look it up, the NES version, because the NES version actually has a really interesting history behind it, whereas the Mega Drive version really doesn't. So I'm going to look it up and explain a bit of the story and uh, the Mega Drive version, etc. So it was developed by Active Enterprises on the Nintendo Entertainment System, and it came out in 1991, and the Genesis version came out in 1993, it was developed by Farsight Technologies. So, um... Where it... Cause the, the development is way more interesting than the actual game is, because it's just a crappy, unlicensed game for the NES and uh, Mega Drive, whereas the development cycle behind it is actually very odd. Um... The creator of the game is known as Vince Perry, and no one really knows anything about him except that he lives in Miami, and he created Active Enterprises. And uh, he said the the way the game came about was I happened to see my son playing an illegal product made in Taiwan that had 40 games on it. My whole neighborhood went crazy over it. Perry said, "I figured I'd do it legally. It's obvious when you see something like that, you know there's something like you know there's something there." In 1993, he showcased Action 52 the International Winter Consumer Electronics Show. He doesn't, however, mention that making an unlicensed NES game and selling it for a very high profit is technically illegal, because you're bypassing the lockout chip, but he doesn't mention that one. He just mentions how he thought he'd do it legally. Well, he thought he'd do it legally. He didn't, but he thought he would. Therefore, therefore, it counts in the good morals book. Right, guys? Somehow, he raised $20 million from private backers in Europe South America and Saudi Arabia. I can sort of get the first two, but where did he pull Saudi Arabia from? 
He and Raul Gamila employed three college students to do the game design, music, graphics, and programming on an Atari ST with a three-month deadline. This is absolute madness. The game had been misinterpreted as a scam. I wonder why when we get to the later part. And he never intended it to be a scam. Despite this, he decided he'd hire terrible programmers who only just were still in college. And for whatever reason, he decided, do you know what? I'm going to sell it for $200. Because I can. Because 52 games for $200. In fact, I think it might have been more than that, actually. Why? But it, it continues. It continues, trust me. Action 52 had 8 extra game templates, since the distributor had, had the carts come with 60 games by default. So there was meant to be 60 games on Action 52, however they were lazy and decided it only should be 52. I say lazy, incredibly lazy if you look at the quality of the 52 games that are on there. Um, um, so the company was apparently developing, or the company who... Um, who made the game were at the time developing a legitimate NES adaptation of Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. So they were actually making legit NES games but they decided yeah let's just make Action 52 because we hate money, we hate working with Nintendo so we'll just make an unlicensed game. Several of the songs from the NES version of Action 52 were plagiarised from example tunes included in Activision's The Music Studio for the Atari ST. The games were plagiarised music Include Fuzz Power, Silver Sword, French Breakers, Dreamers, Time Walker Tickets, and Ninja Assault. Those songs were composed by Ed Bogus. Additionally, programmer Kevin Horton analyzed the music code of Action 52 and found that it matched a music engine programmed by Sculptures Software. So not only did they rip off the music, they ripped off the program used to make and play the music. gets worse. <laughs> it really does. So, um, I'm trying to think. The, the, uh, the reason I've read out the history of the NES version and not the Mega Drive version is because the NES version has this completely ballistic development history, whereas the Sega Genesis version was relatively normal, even though it was still unlicensed. Um, Sega really didn't go after them, unlike Nintendo did. But it's just not interesting at all because it was developed by a completely different company as it was actually developed by experienced programmers as well and they playtested the game unlike the original developers. And um, there was also a SNES version which I did not know. I didn't know there was a SNES version. And um, yeah, it's a game. It's not a very good one. But I mean, I hope you enjoyed it if you've never heard it before because oh, there wasn't a SNES version. It was apparently cancelled. That's why. But yeah absolutely nuts I think you could agree behind that and um, there's apparently a bunch of different uh, prototypes of the game existing as well which um, is there anything interesting in this aside from the fact that the code for Action 52 appears to be heavily based upon the pirate multi-cart known as 52 in 1 okay um 
There's really nothing interesting here at all. Uh, yeah, no, there's not really too much. In I was, I was sort of hoping there'd be like a balmy prototype, which had some even more insane, bonkers stuff thrown on it. But uh, there wasn't. That's a shame. But oh well. Don't play Action 52. Just read up on it because it is honestly fascinating as a game. But playing it is a different story altogether. And the Mega Drive version is even more boring in that sense because it is a semi-competent game. Uh, Alex Kidd in Miracle World 2, a, as I said, fan-made what-if sequel to uh, Alex Kidd in Miracle World 1, which generally agreed to be the only good Alex Kidd game, according to fans, because the other ones are pretty pants. And it's a good game. I I played Alex Kidd in Miracle World recently on stream, as you saw um, from the uh, Radio Ticket live stream, which is on Twitch. So you saw that. I was um, messing with it on there. I, despite the rage, I actually do quite like it. I went back and played it again, and it's a really fun game. Just a steep learning curve in terms of platformers. You know, it's not you pick up and play Sonic, certainly. It's a bit more steep than that. But Alex Kidd in Miracle World 2, while I don't play it too much, or while I haven't, in fact, I haven't played it at all now that I think about it, I thought I had played it on uh, my RetroPie at some point, but I don't think I did. I'm thinking of Tanglewood, probably. Yeah, um, I don't know how I got them confused. There we go. Um, and let's get to Miracle World 2. I hear it's not a whole a whole sight easier than uh, Miracle World 1, which I like, because Alex in Miracle World 2 was uh, a bit too difficult for my liking. And Jamie says I sucked it. I did, but let's be fair, you probably wouldn't have done that much better on your first try. You go, yes, I did. I 100%ed uh, I it. No deaths on my first try. Sure, Jamie. Sure you did. Uh, uh, give it up for Grandad Jamie, everyone. Well, well done. Congratulations, Jamie. You're officially a gaming god. But Miracle World 2, check it out. The ROM is definitely surfaced in online, but if you want a physical copy, uh, don't. Unless you're a big figurehead in the retro gaming community. Which, uh, if you're listening to Radio Sega and you are, hi, first of all. If you're lurking, sup. But uh, if you're not, um, you're going to have to settle for high exorbitant eBay prices. Or you could just play the game alternatively on an EverDrive or a RetroPie or a computer emulator and call it quits. Like the rest of us. I, I'm totally relevant, guys. Please send me a copy, please. I swear. Uh, I'm not. I'm not relevant. Uh, Ducks. Uh, Ducks is infamous because it. Uh, it's a Dreamcast indie game that later came to like PC and a bunch of other stuff. But it's infamous because they re-released Ducks so many times. They made like Reduck. Uh, I'm gonna look this up because I remember there was a massive controversy around the Ducks games at one point in the Dreamcast community because. They re-released that game, must have been about five different times. Dreamcast re-release. Because they, they made it so many times. Um, remake, it was called Redux Dark Matters. And then they did Redux 1.1, they did um, a bunch of others. I can't find the names of all of them, that's just how many Ducks games they made. Seriously, balmy. Look. I think uh, this has it. Yeah, they did, they did ducks. Then they did ducks 1.5. Then they did what? Ducks 1.1. Then they did Redux. And at this point, they did this like in a relatively short time span within like eight years. Which eight years isn't that long of a time span, but that's still like long enough. In fact, no, it wasn't even eight years. It was um, five years. Which yeah, five years. You've made like four different versions of your game in five years. Like, come on now, guys. Um, yeah, it was just a bit ridiculous how many different times they chose to release. In fact, no, I think they might have done Redux as well. Uh, Redux. 
I'm fairly certain they did uh, Redux quite a bit as well. Redux Dreamcast. I definitely did that one more than once, right? Uh, indie Dreams. Those Indie Dreams. They're good. They're a good resource for these type of things. Wait, is it still in development? Really? They would never release Redux. Um, I swear they finished it. I think Google, I think uh, Sega Retro is lying to me because. Yeah, Redux was kickstarted in 2012, there was, and it was reviewed in 2014, so yeah. Um, there's no way that's not out. So Sega Retro, sort, sort your articles out, man. I, I say it as if Sega Retro is one person. Sort your articles out. But uh, Redux and the Ducks games, I can't really recommend too much of a good heart, because maybe play like the whatever the most up-to-date version is. I think it's 1.1 is the most recent re-release, because the original Ducks, they did like three different times, and Redux, blah, blah, blah. 1.1 I hear is the best one, so maybe play that one, but I can't recommend Ducks, really. I mean, come on, you've nickled and dimed a single game enough. It's not even like sequels, it's just a single game. Um, but it's a shmup as well, and I'm not the world's greatest shmup, but a shmup, yeah. I hear it's a good game, so check it out, perhaps. Uh, Gunlord. Gunlord is a great game. Uh, it's... What is it? It's like a platformer, isn't it? Um, I forget, because it's very expensive. That's really the only thing I know too much about the game. But I've, I've not played it for myself for that reason, because uh, it's developed by Neo Geo Dev Team, right? Yeah, Neo Geo Dev Team, who we mentioned earlier. They're great guys, but this game is so expensive, sadly. Um, it's got a great soundtrack. I've heard the soundtrack. I've seen some gameplay. But it's a specifically a run-and-gun game, uh, released in 2012, and it came to Dreamcast much later, I think. Uh, no, it was 2012 for Dreamcast as well. Interesting. I thought it was much later than that. It also, apparently, it's also a sequel to the game Last Hope, which came out in 2006. I haven't heard of Last Hope, but I have heard of Gunlord, and I do know Gunlord is very good. If you have a deep wallet, or you can somehow find a pirated copy of the game, uh, not condoning that, but you know there are some people like that on this Discord server. Not condoning it. Please go and buy a legit copy, guys. But you know, you know what I sort of mean. <laughs> but. Yeah, come on guys, re-release it now. We we sort of want to play this legit. We want to pay a decent amount of money for it rather than an arm and a leg. But, um, yeah, they never released it on PC, unlike most indie games either. So it's Neo Geo, Dreamcast, or The Grave. But, yeah, but luckily one thing I will say about pirated copies of indie games, they really don't exist, which I'm thankful for. The only time I've ever seen one was um, Ghost Blade, which is... Yeah, Ghost, Ghost Blade, it's made by the same guys who did Ducks. So you could argue it's unjustified. No, you couldn't. But, um, yeah, but luckily the community are fairly supportive and therefore don't re really release pirated versions of indie games because you've got to respect the hustle of Dreamcast fans, right? Right, in my opinion. It's exactly what you've got to do. So, pick up uh, Gunlord. Pick up Ghost Blade, I guess, because it's the best of the sort of um, duck shmup style shmups, although I hear it wasn't the world's greatest shmup either. But,. If you don't want to pay the exorbitant prices for the Dreamcast version, there is an HD version which is available on Xbox One, PS4, Steam, and Wii U. Even more bizarre, it came out in like May 2017, after the Switch was out. And I'm not normally one of those people who port begs for Switch games, but I mean, it was already out. And it was already doing way better than the Switch was. The, sorry, the, the Wii U was, so... I guess they probably spent time developing it for the Wii U, so it really wasn't sort of worth their time switching it, but even still, I mean, come on. You're throwing money away. I'm sure that version didn't sell very well because of it. 
Mighty Mighty Missile. I've sort of spoken about my ground on this one early, so I'm going to skip this one. Uh, but check it out. It's there are some reproductions going around, but the original versions are very much out of production. Sadly, it doesn't look like you can pay the original devs for this game anymore. So even by a reproduction, check it out online. But uh, check it out because it is a cool little what if scenario game. In this case, PS Solar and the Great Architect, uh, Architect, as I mentioned, came out in 2010 for the Mega Drive, and then. Uh, it came out in quite a few other places. It came out on uh, Dreamcast in 2015, I think it was. That was back when I was really heavily into the Dreamcast scene, so I would say it was around 2015. Uh, that that release was cool, but it took ages to come out, I specifically remember. I don't really know much about the Mega Drive release, but what I do know is that there was a CD quality soundtrack released for it. That Because um, there was a Sega CD version, I believe, and a Sega Mega Drive version as well. And if you put the Sega CD version in while playing the Mega Drive version, then you got the best of both worlds. You got the Sega CD soundtrack combined with the uh, Mega Drive gameplay. So, there was that version, then there's the Dreamcast version, then there's like the versions on consoles and PC. Um, the only version of this game which you won't be playing in a hurry is Pierce Solar and the Great Architect for Wii U, because that was actually a delisted game. It was delisted a few... probably about a year ago, I'd say now. Um, seemingly out of the blue, they just sort of did it one day, so you can't play the Wii U version anymore, sadly, but it is... Supposedly on PS4, and I know it's on uh, PC as well, so check it out on one of those platforms, or if you're feeling a bit nostalgic, a bit like you want to play a new RPG after all the time on your Mega Drive or your Dreamcast. I think it's more suited to the Mega Drive, honestly, so check it out on Mega Drive, that'd be my first pick, but um, do understand the copies are getting a little bit pricey for Mega Drive, because I haven't made them in a few years, so maybe check it out for Dreamcast, I think they're still making those, if I remember correctly, if not, PC. I was going to say PC or the highway, but that doesn't rhyme, so PC or... Um, yeah, I can't think of anything. Let's move on. <laughs> Redux? Nope. Rush Rush Rally Racing. Interesting game. Originally made for Dreamcast. Um, at some point in its life. And then it came to WiiWare. And then they brought it back to Dreamcast. The WiiWare version is the one that people know most. Because that was obviously a legitimate release. And like the Dreamcast version. But it's awesome on Dreamcast. Like probably one of the best racing games on the system. Let alone, you know, just one of the best indie games. So even better than some of the official titles. But... Nothing. What you mean? What you mean? Nothing beats Taxi 2. Taxi 2 is the world's greatest driving game. I ain't talking crazy Taxi 2. Hell no. Check out Rush Rush Rally Racing. It's brilliant. Sonic Mega Mix. I already spoke my ground on this one. I, oh, I haven't really. Uh, actually, brilliant hack. I'd recommend the Sega CD version 4 version because even though it doesn't have the new soundtrack and it has a reused soundtrack, it does. Just ha it has swag. It has a lot of swag. It's a great game, and it was developed by uh, quite a few members of the Sonic Mania team, actually. So you can see sort of their roots, because everyone mentions how oh they're originally into hacking and developing, and we well, can actually play the stuff that they were into hacking and developing. They also had a lot of other great community members. Sadly, it doesn't look like we'll be getting any Sonic Mega Mix anytime soon. The uh, leak beta came out in 2015 or 14, and nothing has happened since, which is sad, because this was like the best Sonic hack ever made. Tanglewood. Um, Tanglewood, you may know, I reviewed on the Radio Sega YouTube, so if you want to check out my like, in-depth opinions on it, you can actually um, watch it there. But I will say, uh, in regards to the review, I never actually beat the game. I got a decent chunk through the game, but I recorded it on my Mega Drive, and my Mega Drive doesn't play ball my capture card very well, as I found out after I'd recorded quite a bit of footage. So I had to use like, the first couple of levels of the game from the PC version, which worked much better. So Tanglewood, um, it's it's a really good puzzle platformer, 
that um, I've mentioned before, I feel like a lot of indie games on retro consoles are just an advert for the Steam release. Like they go, oh look, here's a um, here's this Dreamcast shmup. Oh by the way, you can buy this on Steam as well because that's much more convenient. Go buy it on Steam, but hey, we got your attention by put, including Dreamcast in the headlines. So, uh, but I I've said in the review and I can say it here. I honestly say Tanglewood is nothing like that because while the game came out on Steam day one, you could get it before on Steam before you could on Mega Drive. If you watch any of the development videos, you know this, uh, you know Matt, Matt is serious about the Mega Drive. He made the game on retro hardware, and that's not just like, oh he made it and he tested it on his Mega Drive, no. No, he made it on a proper Mega Drive dev kit with a Windows 95 PC in assembly language. That's how dedicated he is to the Mega Drive, he didn't make it on his new gaming PC with some C-sharp code or something like that. No, he made it on proper retro hardware for the guys who like proper retro hardware. And the Steam version is just a nice bonus if you really sort of, you know, don't want to shell out for the Mega Drive cartridge or you don't have the console lying around anymore. Plus, included in the Mega Drive version is the ROM for the game, so you get access to put it on an EverDrive or something once you purchase it, which, yeah, hell yeah, that's awesome. Love me some Tanglewood, it's it, in my opinion, it's pretty hard, but that's just because I'm not a very good puzzle platform person. I'm good at puzzles, good platformers, not good at puzzle platformers. But I'd still recommend it. Like, check it out on Steam, it's really cheap on there. But the Mega Drive version is very expensive, but that's just because uh, manufacturing a Mega Drive game these days is very sort of costly. So, you know, he's got to charge what he can for it at the end of the day. So, but um, he did some brilliant. You can tell how dedicated he is to the Mega Drive aside from that as well, because he did some brilliant videos about a uh, program for the Mega Drive on Computer File, uh, the sort of uh, computer programming type YouTube channel, which I'd highly recommend you check out, even if you're not into sort of the geekier side of computers. It's really interesting, and it's sort of um, it's sort of very good at explaining difficult concepts, even if you don't understand it. I think the hosts are so entertaining that you're sort of enthralled to watch. Because I understood nothing he was saying about the Mega Drive, but he's just such an entertaining guy and. Just want to listen to what he has to say about programming for the Mega Drive, and he includes some like betas of a uh, Tanglewood in those videos to boot. So check out. Um, I think it's called like programming in assembly for the Mega Drive or something like that. One of the videos, and then there's another one as well. But it's just really interesting. So check it out and check out Tanglewood because it's a great game. Anyway, we've been rambling for almost half an hour, but hey, I've just had so much great stuff to say, and I think it's about time we say the final question of the Trivia Coast. Coast. I'm still getting asked to confirm the questions to people, so I will do that right now. And uh, let me see, 21 to confirm the questions. Um, so, the first question, the hard question, which is worth 5 points, which no one has answered yet. Come on, guys, get your butts into gear. That is, the developers of Shinobi 3D worked on an unlicensed Sega game or worked on an unlicensed game for a Sega console after working for Sega. What is the name of this game? The medium question is, who distributed... Uh, 20 thinks it's who's the dev. No, it's just uh, who, what company, whoever. Who distributed Alex Kidd in Miracle World 2? And the easy question... Come on, guys. You're going to get this one pretty easily if you use your Google Foo. Rush Rush Rally Racing was a game that put senile team on the map in the wider world, but the Dreamcast indie scene were already very familiar with their work. What was their first game? So what was senile team's first game? 
Let me know on Discord for one point. Green Viper hashtag 6383. While we do that, we're going to get into a bit of a Mega Drive block with two games we've rambled in depth about just now, luckily. And the first one, it's a nice and chill one. It's from Tanglewood, and this is the title theme. Get cozy right here on Radio Sega. The Trivia Coast are now closed. Trivia Coast. And we are back. What you just heard there was from. Sorry, I'm trying to delay this. Well, well um, because some people are still sending their, in their answers, or at least I'm still getting the notifications for them. They might have sent them in earlier, but I don't really know. So yeah, what you just heard was indeed a track from <laughs> Action 52, the Mega Drive version, as the title theme, and that's I think that's actually a pretty good track. 
despite you know, that that one wasn't plagiarized, uh, but it was, however, made with gems. Yes, the infamous gems, which we made an episode on uh, a few weeks back. It's still infamous; it won't go away. But it doesn't sound horrible. It, it sounds okay. But songs that sound awesome are songs like the title theme from Tanglewood, and I love that one. I wish I had access to the full soundtrack, because I was meant to, but, um, you know, real life, real life sucks, unfortunately. Let's just say that, but it's still a great track nonetheless, and I hope one day they'll do a proper soundtrack release of that game, because I'm sort of, uh, sort of desperate for one, to be honest, because, yeah, it's a good soundtrack, and I keep getting pinged. And it's not by uh, it's not by people sending in their answers. I just keep getting pinged by other people. Um, so I haven't actually told any of you what points you've got because you only sent in your answers during the last uh, music break. So I will have to um, I have to send them in a bit. But James says not checking my answers. No, because I was AFK for a second. So hell yeah. And um, oh no, I forgot all about that. Electric Boogaloo just pointed out to me a uh, Paprium. Which I did actually talk about on the uh, Dreamcast 20 show. And uh, Paprium was absolutely incredible, the situation behind it, because, um. Um. The song, let's just read it out from Nintendo Life. Shout out to Nintendo Life. So, it's the next game from Pierce Solar developer Watermelon. And Pierce Solar, we all know, it's an awesome game. And the game is now six years into development. But despite that, um, there's been quite a bit of beef surrounding the game. Uh, there was a 30th anniversary uh, Mega Drive party a few months back, and the game was on display there. And look, it's the final version of the game, guys. I swear that's the final version. And everyone said it was an unfinished version of the game running off a dev cartridge covered in wires and LEDs. And the game lacked enemies and crashed more than once during the demonstration, including multiple glitches. Ouch. On top of that, the guys deleted their Twitter, and anyone behind the game has been famously silent on the game. Yikes, right? Because we all, we all love Pierce Solar, but I mean, come on, like, guys, sort it out. But yeah, I very much doubt that Paprium will ever release. So, but it's an interesting story, at least. It's one of those great, um,. One of those great sort of Kickstarter horror stories, especially in the sort of indie scene, because you never know what you're quite getting. So, always be a bit optimistic, but also be a bit cautious. You just want to make sure you're buying the right thing. And, uh, oh my goodness, no, this story gets deeper. Because according to Electric Boogaloo, there is someone creating a... Someone creating a game known as Papyrium. Which is a spoof of Paprium. <laughs> so, sadly they delayed it, but it gets a new developer. So, um... I don't, I don't know what this is, but it's a spoof of this game that exists. I guess... Well, it doesn't explain anything about the game, but hey, whatever. You want to know what points you got, right, don't you? So... Let's just get on with the rest of the Trivia Coast results show. Let's go with the easy question first. Rush Rush Rally Racing was a game that put senile team on the map in the wider world. But the Dreamcast indie scene were already very familiar with their work. What was their first game? 
the answer for that one, guys, had to have been Beats of Rage. Beats of Rage, these Streets of Rage fan game which spawned many, many different ROM hacks, or not ROM hacks, but you know, just hacks of the game which was entirely on purpose because it was meant to be a game engine more than an actual game, but hey, their first game in 2003 was Beats of Rage. The medium question now, but I should say, well, Jamie got one point and Electric Boogaloo also got one point. Let's see who got points on the medium question. Alex Kidd in Miracle World is a fan-made what-if sequel to the Master System classic ignoring the rest of the series. The game has become a bit elusive due to its odd release, as it was only sent to contributors of the game. Those who pay for the various upkeep of those who pay for the upkeeps of various Sega Master System sites and online retro creators. What is the name of the company responsible for distributing the game? The answer, none of you got it right, was Play Generation. So that's all one word, Play Generation. Come on guys, both of you actually answered Sega 8-bit, and you're going to say that my source was wrong, but my source was the official developer of the game, saying that it was Play Generation, therefore I th I'd like to think that was right. I'd like to think that, they, they were the ones who handled creating the cartridges, and the ones who handled sending them out, so, yeah. Hard question now, let's see who got the right answer. The developers of Shinobi 3D worked on an unlicensed Sega game after their tenure of working for Sega. What is the name of this game? The answer, Electric Boogaloo got this correct. And I don't think you're going to be kicking yourself because I purposely made it a bit vague. It's none other than Volgar the Viking, a brilliant indie title. And um, go and play it because it's fantastic. But it was developed by the guys who worked on Shinobi 3D. So a little bit bittersweet about the fact that that came out on Dreamcast, right? I, I personally think so, at least. Um, I still don't really get what Pat... Uh, Pat... The, Happy Rium is, I still can't quite figure it out. After all this time. Still not really sure. Anyway, we're going to be getting into some music, and I'm going to say as well, um, we're going to be getting straight into the ending of the show. No Pesha Topicality this week, and no Toppy Mix, but I hope I've got something that can make it up to you in a little bit. But for now, let's get into some music from Pierce Solar, and I believe this is from the every other version of the game that wasn't the Mega Drive version. And this is the battle theme right here on the Topical Resort.
and we're already here at the end of the show because well we're taking a bit of a detour today I do apologise for that but hope you've enjoyed the show as is anyway because it's already been pretty much an hour you know it's been good timing on that front what you just heard that was a track from Ghostblade that was Season on Mars or Seasons on Mars stage, stage 2 brilliant track by uh, oh goodness I've forgotten his name now uh, Raphael Dill that's his name well that from PSO and The Great Architect a game which actually did come out from uh, Watermelon Games. That was the battle theme, which was supposedly also on the Mega Drive, but uh, which is with different instruments. Duh, I guess that, but thanks, Jamie, for that one. But that's the CD version of the track. Could have guessed that one as well. But we are here, and it's time to round off. So I want to give a huge thank you to everyone who's been listening, and I want to give a huge thank you to Electric Wiggle, James64, 3620, myself, because I'm also somewhere in the chat room. We had Skyblaze, we had TCB. We had IO1980, we had Maxi as well, whose ears got burst the one time he tuned in. We had Alex Copperton, did I say it? No, because I wasn't reading it probably. Yeah, Alex Copperton, there we go. And I think we had some others. I think J-Star was lurking, could potentially be. I might have just called out the lurk, but if you if you weren't, if you're listening on the podcast instead, hello to you. And we had some others, but I've just completely forgotten them all. Um, Ravseek as well, Ravseek and Danny, who could forget? Bunch, bunch of great guys tuning in, and we're going to leave you with one final track from Gunlord, and then we're going to get into get into the final, um, the final. Uh, what am I trying to say? The final item. That's it, and then we're going to we're going to leave. We're going to go home, right? Yeah, let's do that. So let's go with Electric. Oh yeah, Brick Gamer. Right, I forgot about you. <laughs> Why Brick Gamer? Uh, from Gunlord, we're going to have Electric Tower, the remix that was done by the Mega Drives. Then we're going to see you all next time, but um, as for now... Oh, I should say as well, I do actually have next episode planned. I want to do a Platinum episode next episode, so Platinum Games will be the subject. Send in your requests now. But I've been Green Vibrate, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sure we'll meet again relatively soon. And as always, stay topical. 